And there we go. We're on episode eight of Friday Night Counter-Attack. It's the weekend squad this week, as we've got myself and Vish and Sal will be joining us a bit later. But we've got three on the treatment table, but that's absolutely fine. Like I said, nice and easy December. Vish, how's your week been? You've been okay? Yeah, it's been good, man. It's been good. You know, played football last Friday as well, which was good. We had the United game, um, but let's not go into that. But other than that, yeah, it's been good, you know. Um, just been busy with work. Yeah, that's it, really. Just uh, looking forward to a break at Christmas and uh, switching off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Everyone, everyone deserves it at that time of year as well. But with my, with my current job, I'm still working during the Christmas period. But it is what it is. My anniversary is next month as well. And um, yeah. it's just been nice that at the end of the month, we've got a few little um, fun things for the, for the viewers. So we're not going to be talking all about football. It'll be different things which they can enjoy over yeah. the Christmas period. And that's something we'll do when the five or the six of us will be back together again which would be fantastic. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I'd just like to send uh, my warm wishes to Arif as well. Um, deluded Arif is what everyone calls him. Um, he's still recovering from uh, Friday Night Football from the first week. So, um, yeah, just hope you get well soon, mate. And uh, looking forward to welcoming you back on the podcast. Yeah, it's going to be fun when everyone's back. And it's going to be different because the fact that it's just like two or three of us today, we can literally just talk about whatever we want. And... I, I th- that's what I decided but let's just seize the opportunity and today I wanted to talk about something yeah. that wasn't English football but Italian football yeah. and AC Milan so Vish yeah. I know you're not the biggest of Italian Serie A watchers and stuff like that but this is something that I'm very passionate about and how AC Milan have gone from literally falling to like the lowest of lows over the last like, 10 years I'd say so slowly yeah. creeping their way back up it was Lato Ibrahimovic and Pioli as the manager. So what kind of team yeah. do you reckon could stop AC Milan in Serie A at the moment or in the Europa League? I'll be honest, my knowledge of Italian football is very, very poor. Um, okay. I only only started, um, you know, taking interest when, uh, you know, the GOAT, Cristiano Ronaldo, went to Juventus. Yes. Um, obviously, you know about the big teams, AC Milan, Inter Milan, um, Juventus, but, you know, I've taken a bit of more interest with Ronaldo going over there so kind of teams that will be stopping AC Milan obviously you know Inter Milan um, and Juventus I'd say and Napoli as well Um, you know up there I looked at I did look at the table prior to this uh, podcast and I know AC Milan are sitting on top which is good Um, yeah that's that's something I wanted to educate you at the moment because they drew yesterday 2-2 to Parma so they got like a last okay. minute goal from their left back, Theo Hernandez. And it's just the yeah. fact that they've been, they're literally the only undefeated team in the top five European leagues after the first lockdown. So from March to April time, literally they, they are the only team left from the top five. And that's incredible looking at the teams like Man City and Liverpool and Bayern Munich. The fact that AC Milan have literally been quietly going along their journey in getting back to the top of Serie A and the fact that in the next round of the Europa League I find that quite fascinating of how they've had to rebuild teams again and again and I believe that this is like their chance to get back to the top we mentioned all the time about Man United going through rebuild after rebuild and for me I hate talking about it because you never know when it's going to be right but I personally think it's AC Milan team to get themselves back to the top four and back in the Champions League since like 2014-15 approximately I could guess that's mad. That's mad. 
I mean, obviously signing Zlatan um, at this age, type of player he is, um, you know, it was always going to be a massive risk, but, you know, it seems like it's paid off. And, you know, you're telling me the, the only team in Europe that's undefeated, which is just crazy to think. Crazy, crazy. And are, are they, I, I don't know much about this, but are the, are the fans allowed back in Italy or? Because uh, No, not at the moment. The, the reason I ask you that is because um, you've been to the stadium, haven't you, for a game? And I have, yeah. shockingly enough, talking about, I've, I don't really follow Italian football. I was actually in Milan. And this is one of those stories where, you know, um, it, it's just funny because it was so random how it happened. Um, I was in Milan for a weekend um, mm-hmm. with a couple of my mates. And we were like, oh, we, we've got to go to the uh, San Siro to you know, do a stadium tour and whatnot. And literally, we were on the other side of Milan. And yes. We had to get, like, two buses and um, an underground to the stadium. The metro, and yeah. We planned, yeah, the metro. And we, we just, like, literally planned, like, oh, we'll just go there and uh, we'll just find out information about um, when the next the stadium tour is. And we got there. And we know it's something really different because... You know, there was, you know, like at football grounds here, you have the like burger stalls outside the ground and stuff. We, yeah, we definitely. noticed a few of them. We noticed a few of them as we were walking to the ground. Vish, did and, you go um, to? Did you go for a stadium tour and you actually went for a match day? Did you actually go to a game? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. Oh my god, I, I ruined the story, obviously, but I kind of was guessing yeah. that when you said burger stands, I'm like, they're only out for match days. Yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. Literally, we, we got there and um, we realised it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. There was a game at six o'clock oh, wow. in the evening. And um, we were just like, you know what? This is just perfect. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll just see if there's some tickets available. And luckily there were. Um, and, you know, we managed to see a game. And I think the Inter Milan won 5-1. Five, five Brilliant. And what uh, era was that? Yeah. Like, who was like their main players? Was it like Lukaku, oh. Icardi? No, no, no. This is a couple of... Uh, this was two years ago. 2018 period. I can't remember who... Yeah, I went in 2018 there. to the Santa as well. So Icardi was there, Brozovic, yeah. Politano, yeah. Perisic, those kind of players. Yeah. That's quality to him. Yeah. It, 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 um, I mean, it's it's crazy, like, how, you know, Inter Milan and AC Milan share that stadium. And uh, such a beautiful stadium. But I, I, I hear that they, um, they're getting knocking that down, aren't they? Yeah, they are. So they're looking at getting a new modern stadium. So again, copying what's happening with Juventus because in Italy, they don't get as much TV money as like in the Premier League when you see a lot yeah. of... Nice hat, by the way. But you get a lot of yeah. TV money coming in for like the lower teams in the Premier League, like Crystal Palace and Burnley and Arsenal at the moment. And Arsenal yeah. at the moment in what, 15th, 16th? <laughs> but yeah, the fact that um, Italian football doesn't get that much press is is why I'm quite passionate about it because it's always something yeah. that I like to follow up in terms of um, learning by myself and just seeing how it goes and that's why I was quite happy that even if you didn't know much about it I can still kind of educate you on some of the players that they've yeah. got and why I think they're yeah. doing so well. When I went to Milan as well I went with my cousin and we went for an Inter Milan yeah. Barcelona Champions League game and it was amazing the atmosphere was fantastic and it's going to be sad to see the old San Zero uh, not destroyed, yeah. but it's going to be revamped in terms of it's going to be like the Tottenham Hotspur type thing. It'll be built on the same yeah. site and they'll yeah. make it just a, a more modern That's stadium. Nice. But for me, when I went to the Santa, it was just going all the way to the top round those. Oh, those 
it, it, it's a special experience, isn't it? Uh, you, it's one of them things that you've got to kind of do and tick off your bucket list, I think. Because when we were kids as well, obviously we didn't know yeah. each other then, but the fact that when you'd be watching Champions League nights at the San Zero, rather AC Milan or Inter Milan, yeah. it was yeah. incredible because we remember that game when we played against AC Milan and we lost like 3-0 to one of the greatest teams we've ever seen in Italian football. It was amazing. Yeah. Like we won 3-2 in the first leg, but we ended up losing 3-0 or something in the second leg. And it was over yeah. by half time. We couldn't catch up at yeah. all. And yeah. that's what I wanted to see because I feel like this AC Milan team is now on the verge of greatness compared to that 2005-2017. Yeah. And we've got Sterling back with us as well. And again, Sterling, we were just talking about AC Milan and I'm not sure if you follow Syrian. I was just trying to tell Vish about, I was going to go into the depth of players that they have and the quality of players that they have now compared to the last 10 years or so, since yeah. they last won the league in, what, 2011 or so, when they, or 2013, it may have been. One of, those, one of those years when Ibrahimovic, Thiago Silva, Kevin Prince-Boteng were there, yeah. Nesta was still there. But now I feel like they've, they've got the real deal with Pioli as manager and Zlatan spearheading the team. And again, it's just fun to see an Italian team doing so well. And I want to see them back at the top flight. Yeah, I mean, like they've been sort of hovering about in mid-table and not even doing much in the champ, not even being in the Champions League as well, uh, some seasons. So it's nice to have them back up there. You know, they are they are a big club. Historically, they've won you know plenty of Champions Leagues as well in their past. So it's it's always a bit you know sad when you see something like that happen to such a big team. But it looks like they're back on the up. Especially that league has become a bit boring. You'd say with Juventus winning it pretty much every season. I mean, Inter Milan have been close. Napoli have. Nine, ten years, I think they've won in the row, Juventus, which is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's just not like competitive anymore, is it? But I mean, it'd be nice to like even have a title challenge, even if they don't win it, just to give a challenge. It'd be, I think, it'd be a big thing because they've gone from having the most amazing manager in Carlo Ancelotti winning them the Champions League after losing in the final two years prior in 2005. Everyone remembers Istanbul, but the fact that they've gone from like Gattuso and Seydorf and other former player well, managers. Kaka. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. with the managers, the fact that they've gone from, they haven't been the best of managers to choose from. So I really think Pioli's way of playing is fantastic because Chalahogmu looks like an amazing talent and is linked with Man United. Everyone's linked with Man United, man. Yeah, but this guy... Yeah, that's true as well. It's mm. true. It's like how Man United... We were just mentioned before you came on, so that's Man United are in that phase of always rebuilding and starting again and things like that. And... I've rec- it's just nice to see them on the come up because you've seen kind of Barcelona declining in a way because of all of their players. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes it's better to sort of um, have a complete overhaul than it is just to sort of paper over the cracks kind of thing. Like, how, look, if you look at what happened to us, like, like we started to sort of decline in 2010 and then we kind of just kept papering. Like, Darren Bent was one of those kind of like papering over the crack signings and then yeah. we just kept doing it. Like, we just kept buying all these like players just every season just buying players buying players and we weren't we, we had so much dead wood left there as well there wasn't a proper like transfer policy there was like a new manager every two seasons like we've just had three contract renewals this year which I've never seen happen before because we've messed up every single time but the fact that we went down to the championship and we sort of just cleared everything up over three years we you know started again from scratch and we're in a much much better place than we are now than sort of those last five six seasons we had when we were like you know, every year you like in a relegation battle, eventually you're going to go down. You can't just rely on having like winning the battle every year kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. It's like when you have players like 
on high wages like Mika Richards and Jolie and Lescott and you're just there like this is awful to see because they're just kind of in a way mercenaries just taking the wage and not really caring about the club yeah and we had too many of that I mean if you look at Liverpool as well when they brought Klopp in that first season they were they weren't that good they just about got fourth I think and then mm. you know they built over time but I think that's the best way to do it. You just have to sort of completely rebuild. Like, if you look at his first team compared to his team today, as in his first game to today, I think only James, I can't remember, probably Henderson's the only player that's there. Yeah, Henderson teams, and Milner, but... and that was it, really, in the squad. You need patience for all that. Obviously, with Man United, it's been like seven years now. Um, yeah, I think, but I think, like, even Louis van Gaal, like, he had his three years or something, but maybe if you gave him a bit more time and... Like, look, it takes time, uh, you know, to sort of build something special. Like, not every manager can come and win something in their second season. Like, Mourinho does it. But sometimes you have to look at the squads that they inherit. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Sort of, um, like, if you look at the squad that sort of Moyes picked up, yeah, it was a title-winning team, but the teams around him were improving as well, for example. Yeah. Yeah, it works both ways. Like, if you look at Arsenal now, it looks like they need a massive rebuild, like, again. But exactly. if they would have maybe kept, if they would have gone through that sticky patch with Emery and given him another season or something, they might not be in the situation they are in now. Definitely. That's true. And that's why I've been so passionate to talk about AC Milan, the fact that you haven't heard from them properly in terms of like on the Champions League stage, in the Europe Never. League stage or even Syria for the last seven, eight years. And I was saying to Vish previously, it's just the team that we grew up with seeing on Champions League nights every Wednesday night, Tuesday night against the big teams of Europe and they were so fun to see and they're so elegant in the way they played and ever since um, I've become a football scout I've been learning more about AC Milan that's why I'm a bit passionate in terms of watching their highlights every week or learning more on why scout and things like that because um, you can see the type of play that they have and the type of quality that they have in their team which is fantastic. I'm just going to name a few players that I've, I found interesting because I really was going to do a scouting report on one of the AC Milan players, but I thought let's just talk about them in general because there's only three of us today. Um, Theo Hernandez is someone that I'm pretty sure everyone knows in terms yeah. of the French international. Um, he could have gone anywhere in Europe, but he went to AC Milan and is killing it right now. We've got someone who I believe will be in the French team along with his brother, Lucas Hernandez. Or Lucas no, Hernandez, yeah. Was it Bayern Munich? It was one of the Bayern two. Munich, Bayern Munich, Lucas it's Hernandez. One of the two. They, yeah, it's one of the two, but they were fantastic players to see and it's just exciting players crossing the balling early making sure it's hitting Zlatan Ibrahimovic we don't need to mention Zlatan Ibrahimovic because everyone in their mum knows about Zlatan Ibrahimovic Swedish hero man he's that Swedish hero amazing player even for that one year at Man United I don't count the second year because he barely did anything and he was injured unfortunately so unlucky to get injured man I'm going to mention Kessie from their holding midfield who I think is fantastic him and Benacer is, is amazing. They're a double pivot where he does jobs where you think Kante could do the same thing and uh, like other holding midfielders will do the same thing, but no one's recognising him and his talent. He's someone like a Thomas Partey as well, so he'll definitely do the dirty work. He'll get in and stuck in, which is fantastic, which is leaving the freedom of the creative players that you've got front. Chala Holding, I mentioned. Brahim Diaz, who was in the Man City yeah. Academy and he was at Real Madrid's Academy as well. But He's gone to AC Milan and is killing it right now. It's fantastic to see young talent again. We don't get that kind of showman in terms of attacking players anymore. They all kind of play in a system and they all kind of play rigid football, but you don't get to see any fun players like Brahim Diaz or... Um, I don't even need to mention Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but there's another player who I was going to do the scouts report on called Hauger. 
he's the Norwegian youngster who's like a left mid and attacking mid and he's a joy to watch. He scored a few goals in the Europa League, which I thought, wow, this guy coming from, he literally, they literally signed him this summer as well. And he's, he's another superstar from Norway, like Haaland or Udegaard. And you were just there, like Norway yeah. bringing up so many cool talents. And the last person I wanted to mention was uh, Sandro Tonali, who everyone probably knows from FIFA or Football Manager. <laughs> Again, he was signed from Brescia. He's probably going to sign properly. But the fact that he's like another Andrea Perlo type mould player, the fact that he can come on every now and then and just control the game. and So have that maturity at his young age to control a game at like 21, 22 is fantastic. And with Ronaldo killing it for Juventus at the moment and Lukaku scoring goals left, right and centre for Inter Milan. But yeah, the question was, do you reckon we'll be able to see AC Milan at the top of Serie A or winning European trophies anytime soon? And I certainly hope so, and I believe so. I reckon, if, even if you watch their highlights, I know you're not going to be big on Serie A immediately, but have a watch of them. I find them fascinating to watch and a lot more exciting than you see a lot more Italian teams, especially of the past as well. Uh, sorry, so uh, I thought I'd mention that as well. Like, If you look at Juventus, I've won what, last like nine or ten leagues or something in a row now. Yeah. I mean, maybe this could be a season where they're kind of looking saying, you know, the competition's quite fierce in the league. Like, they'll probably want to win the league and the champions. Well, everyone wants to win everything, right? But this could be that season where they sort of maybe favour the Champions League more. I'm sure they would have traded, like, at least two or three of those league titles just for a Champions League trophy, given that they've lost two finals in that time, I think. Is it two? I think it's two finals they've lost. The one against um, Real Madrid and the one against Barcelona. Yeah, two. Yeah, that's that's what I mean, yeah. I don't know, but it'd be it'd be nice to see a competitive league there. That it's not just Juventus, you know, that are like six points clear the last game or something like that. You, you want it to be like that. Because AC Milan are four. like top are like five points clear at the moment, and there's like ten, eleven games in. That's why I was like, this is going to be fun to talk about because it's not like the one horse race that we see every year in in Italy, and we again yeah. expect Juventus to win every every season, but a bit of freshness could bring a bit more. Um, we mentioned TV money in terms of like the revenue coming in, but the fact that worldwide audiences could come back to Syria in terms of watching other games apart from Juventus and Ronaldo, I think that would be quite fun. Yeah, to see, really. because there are some good players in the league, the Italian league. You can't you can't deny it. Like you know, Napoli's got players, Lazio's got good players. Obviously, Inter's got loads of players now as well, and. Um, you just want to see like two, three teams really battling out, not the same old Juventus have won it again, Juventus have won it again. But even for AC Milan to still get a Champions League place secured is, you know, would be a good achievement, I'd say. That'd be a step in the right direction. And again, without being, yeah. without seeing AC Milan in the Champions League, it's not, it doesn't feel right to me. They're like one of those stalwarts that you just see every year in the Champions League. Go on, Bish. You know, the Italian League, is it the top four that qualify for Champions League or is it? Different. I think it's like top three, and then the fourth one goes into a qualifier. When they did, they did it once upon a time. When you go into fourth place, but you have to qualify through the oh, okay. qualifying like August or something. Even that, that would be a sick achievement for AC Milan, and the fact that they've spent so much money in the last ten years and they've had to sell loads of deadwood. Again, it it's one of those things where you see so many rebuilds and so many failed rebuilds, and it's just nice to see that. And I certainly believe that Zlatan Ibrahimovic will be the main figure for the rest of the season. How old is he now? He's like 38 now, isn't he? Or... Yeah, like 39, which is amazing. Oh. And that I was think he's another... really looked after his body well. I think that's the main thing. That's all t- he's taken care of himself. It's Even after those... the injury he got at United to think that he's come back. I was going to mention yeah. that. 
that, that yeah, injury against Anderlecht. I was just there like not many people of any age could recover from that properly and he did which was amazing and that again just brings me to my next question do you reckon Ital- Italy will be the next kind of place where old older players will go in, ter- in terms of like they don't want to go to MLS or China or anywhere else because I feel like with Ronaldo being there and Zlatan being there the ages that they're at I feel like that could be a really good step going forward because it's a slower pace I mean Ashley Young's there for goodness sake and was doing fantastic things in the land. <laughs> I mean the thing is like I think you could so now I reckon players before would get to 35, 36 and go MLS go China or, or even India whatever they want to do but <laughs> Australia but now I reckon I reckon now what they could do is they could probably get to 35 and then get another three, four seasons out in Italy and then they could still go to the MLS for another two seasons on top of that because Italian leagues, obviously, the quality is above the MLS. Yeah. But I reckon you could probably play till about 38 in the Italian league because the pace is nowhere near sort of the Premier League. And then from there, you could always just go to the MLS like Perlo went, to be honest, after quite late in his career as well. For New York City, but again, but even Kaká went as well. Kaká yeah. was going. Nesta probably went somewhere. That's just me putting words in his mouth. I don't think he went. But the fact that Perlo was in uh, AC Milan for so many years, and then he went to Juventus, I thought that was one of the last nails in the coffin for AC Milan in terms of like that's when they had to start rebuilding properly when they let Perlo go for free to Juventus, and that's when Juventus started winning titles properly. And you're just there like. What, what are you going to do? And I feel like, because they're finally on the right track, I believe that's something that Andrea Perlo, who's the manager of Juventus, if he has that capability of winning the league, or does he just rely on Dybala and Ronaldo to get the goals and to get the wins for him? Sorry, I think also on top of that, if you look at the players that Juventus have been signing, compared, like, over the past few seasons and the money they've been spending on players, it's sort of crazy when you put it next to, like, AC Milan. Inter, yeah. Well, Inter have bought some players in now, but like Napoli, Lazio, these other teams. If you think like they brought in like Dilip for like whatever it was, big money. Paying Ramsey like, 400k a week, just crazy. Yeah, they're quite good at their free agents as well. Mm. They bought, they're buying Pogba in January as well, aren't they? Oh, I'm glad Arif and Rahil aren't here. They would just take this <laughs> podcast over about Paul Pogba and all of that. But yeah, <laughs> if he goes, he goes. <laughs> They're literally just like, yeah, it's just one of those things. Sunas will be so happy when he leaves, but then he won't be relevant yeah. anymore. That's the funniest thing. That's true. Yeah, that's true. that's true. But then, do you think Arif would take his uh, Sunas poster down from his bedroom? <laughs> He'll never take that Sunas poster down. Let's be honest. That's just staying there. He'll love it. Uh, but yeah, so just one a of those things, uh, you, you know, and they say that, what is it? You, you end up, when, you're, when you've been the hero that long, you end up becoming the villain or something. Yeah, you have a die, you have a dire hero. Or live long yeah, enough to like start become the villain. Yes, that's Arif basically. He's become Sunes now. Trust me. Yeah. But nah, <laughs> it, this is just something for all of our listeners. If you're not interested in Syria, I'd recommend even just watching the two, three minute highlights of AC Milan. And we're going to do our little AC Milan six aside team between the three of us. But of our generation, I'm pretty sure it's going to be very easy to find six amazing players for AC Milan because even though they've gone through so many changes of owners and changes of managers, the one that still gets ingrained in my team was 2005 and 2007. And 2003 even. That was an amazing couple of years for AC Milan, their golden period. And should we leave out a goalkeeper? I know Dida's there, but... Uh, I, I, think we should just, just I think we should just do it joint. I think because uh, the th- there's only three of us today, we might as well just do like a joint team between us. 
That's cool with me. I was going to say Dido's uh, probably their number one keeper of all time. Or yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say that. I want, I want Donnarumma to have that kind of legacy like Buffon does. Isn't it one of those like football myths that Donnarumma is like being 18 his whole life or something? He's literally just been there. Yeah. He's got another brother as well that literally plays for 18. I think he's a goalkeeper as well, which is crazy. Yeah, he is, he is as well, but he doesn't get to play, I think. <laughs> no, nah, that's going to be funny. But I reckon Donnarumma will be amazing, but I think we've got to stick with Dida for now because I think... Yeah. Kevin Dieter in goal, you just remember the fact that he was there for Brazil in the World Cup and uh, just going forward, it was fantastic to see how Dieter was as a keeper. is amazing in goal. In defence, this is the really tough one because we've got six players and how do we fit Maldini, Nesta, Zambrotta, Cafu? Well, Maldini has to make it. Maldini Mal- has to make it. Maldi- Maldini's in there, but do we put another defender in there? Do we, do we add Nesta or do we go straight for the midfield, which is an amazing array of talent? Six to one, Maldini. Yeah, six to one, man. Well, it's the Italian league, defensive league. Maldini can take on any attacker. He's gone through so many generations and it's such an inspiration to so many defenders around the world and especially Italy. And midfield, this is where it gets fun for me because we mentioned Kaká, we mentioned Perlo, Seydolf, Gattuso, they're in there as well. We've got players like Tonali coming through, Kessie coming through, but... You look at that legendary status that they are at and the, what, the fact they won the Champions League. Players like Odo, Jankolovski, Kaka is definitely in there, I would say. <laughs> Ballon d'Or winner. The last human Ballon d'Or winner before <laughs> Ronaldo Messi took over until Luka Modric won. And then who else would you not want to face on a five-a-side pitch? Perlo or Gattuso or Seydolf? Seydolf would just ruin us. Gattuso would send us to hospital and Perlo would just send us... To we'd just be dizzy after just playing against Perlo. I mean, well, I mean yeah. unless we've got a difference of opinion, but my three would probably be Kaka, Sadov, and Perlo. I think that that'd be my three. I'll, I'll say the same as well. Um, I think Perlo, um, when you watch him, like he makes things look so easy. Like, some of the passes he pulls off, it's like, how are you doing that? Um, yeah, definitely. It's just so natural. Um, like Perlo, I, I just, I just probably make him stand in front of Mal, uh, Maldini and just tell him don't move from this. Like, just put a circle there and just tell him to stand yeah. there all game. It's fine. Yeah. Like, you know, he'd have to go anywhere. It'd be easy. Just ping him. I'd go for just Kaka and Perlo. I don't think I'd go for that extra attacker because I, I was thinking of Rui Costa, who is amazing for Portugal and AC Milan. But then when you look at their attackers and all the amazing players have had, Brazilian Ronaldo again, not his peak. You've got Ronaldinho. You have Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Andrei Shevchenko, Filippo Inzaghi. These type of players that have been at AC Milan and done it for AC Milan is insane. Rubinho, that was probably his last great performances really at AC Milan before he went south. But for me, Dida, Maldini, we've got Kaká, we've got Perlo. I'll agree with you. If, do you want another midfielder? And then we'll go for just Shevchenko or do you want to go for like Ronaldinho, Shevchenko type thing? Uh, well, we can fit two, surely. We've got Dida, Maldini. Dida, Maldini. And then we've got Perlo. Yep. Kaka. Kaka. Seidorf. Seidorf. I thought we were doing six, that's why. Yeah, we've got one yeah. more to choose from. Yeah, we've got one more, yeah. So it'd probably have to be Shevchenko. Amazing player. Oh, oh Inzaghi is one of the two, isn't it? The man that was born offside, Filippo Inzaghi. Yeah, I, I think we've got to go for Shevchenko, who's an absolute 
superstar. And I'm in a way, I'm glad Perlo didn't go to Chelsea because I didn't want that same thing to happen where you see an amazing talent go to Chelsea and he's just not up to scratch. And that's what happened with Shevchenko, really. He was an amazing talent. The problem with, the problem with Shevchenko was it wasn't, it wasn't the manager that bought him. It was sort of... Abramovich. Like, yeah, Abramovich bought him. You wanted him and Drogba that's together. A, yeah, but that's... Just, you, just you didn't to, work out for him, man. When you, when you, how long did he like, stay at Chelsea for? Like three years or so, I guess. From like 2006 to 2008-9-ish, I guess. Maybe earlier. But it was one of those things that when you see... I hate when you see that. Even when they're playing against you, you don't see Shoshenko playing the best he could or Kaká when he went to Real Madrid getting all those injuries and it was awful. That's why I'm glad we just got yeah, to see Perlo properly yeah. from beginning to end, which is amazing. See, I was just going to say that. Like, even when like sort of rivals or other teams in the league sign these big players, I never want to see them do badly. Like, mm. it's someone's like you know, it's his career. Like, it's a career. Someone's like livelihood at the end of the day. Like, you know, he's doing it to sort of you know, he provides for his family and stuff. Not that he's not got like a lack of money or something, but in a sense of like he like like every player wants to do well wherever they go. But how like imagine how you feel playing badly every week, like. You know, it affects sort of mental health of footballers as well. And a lot of them sort of lose interest in football or they end up going like, you know, in a downward spiral and stuff. Yeah, it's like Andre Schurler. You know how he retired last summer because he was suffering from mental mm. health and depression. And he was like 28, 29 and it was awful because he was in that World Cup winning team for Germany. I know we've, we've mm. gone from AC Milan to Andre Schurler, but it's still relevant to what we're seeing in terms of AC. When you've seen them leave AC Milan, AC Milan haven't got better. And they haven't got better. So it's just that mutual understanding that they were better together, but they, they just have it. And it's sad to see how, like, again, Andre Schellers had to retire really early and players suffer in silence, really. But it's just nice to be able to see the players that do make it, even if it's against your teammates' score or whatever. But it's, some, yeah, it's somewhat it's so, it's so easy. It's so easy for, like, people or fans, journalists, to just call a player a flop, but they don't understand what's happening, you know, behind the scenes, you know, when you move to a new club. For example, exactly. like new surroundings, you know, new home. Like if it, some of them have kids, they have to change school. There's so much stuff that happens behind the scenes. Like most fans, they only see that sort of three o'clock kickoff for 90 minutes and like, oh, he's not good enough. But they, they don't see that week of training is put in and the adapting. Sometimes it's a new language for some players. Exactly. And that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, journalists call them players flops before they've even signed. Like De Bruyne was called yeah. a flop when he came to Man City. Martial was called a flop. He came to Man United and Luka Modric was called the worst signing in Real Madrid's history. And three seasons later, or two se- yeah, five seasons later, they, he won the Ballon d'Or. But two seasons later, they won the Champions League. Or a year later, he won the Champions League, which is incredible. And it's just the fact that when you give players time and when you give managers time, like they've given Piolian an, ex- an extension at AC Milan, as opposed to just giving him that temporary contract. And I hope it's not a social one and it just goes up and down and it fluctuates. Again, we won't go into Man United, but the fact that he's got them, they're literally on cloud nine right now, AC Milan. I'm so glad we didn't get them in the Europa League draw because we would have just been out mm. before we got in. They're an amazing team to watch. And I can't stress this enough. If you have the opportunity to watch Italian football, watch AC Milan play because they are such a fun, dynamic, new breed of Italian players and uh, foreign players from across, the, across Europe to watch. And it's just fantastic to see. But no, that was our six aside for AC Milan. Dida, Maldini, Perlo, Kaká. Then we went for Seydorf and then we went for Shevchenko. Just the classic players. 
there's no point beating around the bush because it was fantastic to see them. Um, but yeah, on to the next point before we go to our little topic at the evening. Again, we're keeping it easy in December. I just want to say rest in peace to Paolo Rossi, the World Cup winner for Italy in 1982. Again, he scored six goals in three appearances at that World Cup and he was banned for a year. So they actually banned him for two years, but they allowed him off. The Italian authorities allowed him off for one year so he could compete in that World Cup. And what an amazing decision that was because... It's just one of those things that, again, I want to learn more about players before I talk about them properly, like with Maradona and stuff like that. But he was someone that was a Juventus player. He scored goals and he didn't really score many goals in 12-13 in the season. But the fact that he won Italy the World Cup was fantastic to see six goals in three games in a different format against apparently one of the greatest Brazilian teams of all time in 1982. He scored a hat-trick against them. So, again, I'll probably have to look at those YouTube uh, tributes coming in soon. And then that will be it, really. But on to our final topic of the day. It is just Salim and I. And Salim, out of all of the ones on the group, you're probably my oldest friend and you're one that I've known for longer. And the fact that we're on the next generation of consoles and we met working in a retail electronics store, the fact that you've got FIFA 21 on the next-gen consoles, why don't you tell us a bit about that and let's see if that's something I would want to buy and if that's something that you actually learn about football from. So take it away, sir. Yeah, I mean, firstly, I'd say, yeah, we've, you know, it was um, some good times back in Curry's, Curry's PC world. Some good times and bad times, I'd say, on those weekends. Some vibes happening on those weekends. Some vibes, yeah, just vibes. No sales, just vibes. That's what it was. We didn't nah, need nah, it was, any it was sales a... at all. Just yeah, watching nah, football think... on, on our breaks at like three o'clock and five o'clock. And again, that's yeah, again how we bonded TVs through football. That was it, just 4K TVs and just watching <laughs> stuff like that but yeah no I mean I've got the got the new got the PS5 obviously um, I'm not going to put my address out because it would probably get nicked because of uh, how stock's been at the moment which has sort of uh, which yeah I do feel sorry for a lot of people that have not been able to get a hold of one but I'm hoping that people that work because it's probably like the ideal Christmas gift for anyone that was sort of after one I mean I'm hoping yeah. everyone can get one but yeah I mean I've got FIFA um uh, the the next gen update came, I think, a few weeks back. So I've just been sort of spending a bit of my free time playing that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, the main thing with this one was the is the new controller. How it's quite sort of immersive with the haptic feedback. So you literally feel everything. The the triggers are quite adaptive. So if a player's like really tired, the art the sprint button is sort of really stiff and hard okay. to sort of push. Whereas if a player's like fresh, he's just been brought on like. There's like no tension in it. I guess FIFA is just sort of another way to do the thing that I think we mainly play online, Ultimate Team, and that kind of thing. For me, I really like career mode and manager mode because, again, even yeah. before I became a football scout, the fact that I got to learn a lot more about players in different countries and different ways of growing and developing players and just customizing players to playing in your systems and your positions, I thought was fantastic because. That's something I've done year in, year out. And being a football manager fan as well, it's actually quite surreal that a lot of people on my PFSA course are actually scouts on football manager. So I'm yeah. like, when I, when I get my license and when I get my first job, you'll see my name on football manager, which will be very fun to see. And it will be great because I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to enjoy playing and seeing how good of a scout I can be in real life. And and again, in 2021, we're going to bring some more of my scouting colleagues on. It's going to be fantastic to see with the PS5 selling. 
how often would you say would be good to take a break from technology? Because again, we always talk about mental health on here in terms of we don't want people to just be playing PlayStation forever and feeling drained again, being in another lockdown, what could happen again? What would you say? To a point, I mean, when I was younger, I could have just played like loads, but I think as I've gotten a bit older, I've sort of like uh, hit a kind of limit, hit a kind of wall. Yeah. But the one thing I would add is that I've not really played career mode in FIFA for like maybe 10 years or something, maybe six years, something like that. It's barely just changed as well. So it's, it's one of those things. It's barely changed since you started 10 years ago in FIFA. Yeah, just been... like for me, football manager is just so far clear in that sense. Like the sort of depth it goes into tactically and stuff. It's, it's, it's way ahead of FIFA in, in that sense. And I prefer it. I prefer that sort of extra detail and sort of analysis that it does provide even though like people say oh you're not actually playing the game you know like that's the first thing everyone says oh you're just watching so you're the manager of the game as well as opposed to playing and managing which is fantastic because you have no control like a real manager of what your players are doing besides telling them what to do and where to play and the thing is i just pick aston villa every season and the challenge is the same every season sort of uh, kind of try and win the title after a couple of years. But I think I need to start switching it up, picking a few different teams and doing different challenges, really. I think one of the first things I'll do is uh, when, you, when you're in the game, I'll sign you as a scout and I'll <laughs> give you a nice pay rise or something. Make me the primary scout and I'll be like half a star at the time because I'll have no experience, which will be fun. It's actually crazy with that. Um, with Football Manager, the fact that you can literally customise and do what you want. What I tend to do is I like to do teams that I've been on holiday to. So like when I went to Norway, I chose like Stavanger FC or something like that. And I'm like, let's see how far I can get with them kind of thing. And same with on FIFA, because Man United are always going to be the best team that you can be with all the money you can get and who you can spend. And it doesn't make it fun for me. So I always try and do different random teams, which is very fun to see. But no, um, in terms of ultimate team, is that something that you have been playing for a while? Because I remember when we were at, uh, when we were working together, you were working and yeah. you were playing Ultimate Team and you were telling me about it as well. And that was when I enjoyed it, when I could like buy good players and get coins and stuff. But is that something you'd say has been better over the last three, four years? Because I know EA like to prioritise Ultimate Team. I think, like for me, I, I, I prefer playing against people than I do playing against AI. That's the first thing. I find it quite boring. And that's yeah. why another reason why I don't really rate career mode. Yeah. So I'm always online, like I used to be, it used to be seasons a lot for me, but now it's more like ultimate team. As in before you'd play against your mates, like all the time, you know, when you're back in school days and stuff, it was just easier. But ultimate teams improved with the sort of weekend leagues they've got and the rewards that they provide. But the other problem is like some players are so far ahead because they've played that much that their teams are sort of like unbeatable when it comes to the sort of foot champs weekend league. Yeah. Um, during the start of lockdown, uh, me, Arif and Raheel, we, we played a lot of FIFA, the three of us, and, and those were some like really good games. I, I definitely came out on top between the two of them. <laughs> I think Raheel was really good, actually. He was playing against Raheel, he used to give me a migraine. Like, you had to, I had to focus for every single second. Like, I couldn't slip up for even a single second because he'd score. He's that good. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely beat him more times than he beat me. Arif was, Arif was good as well, but... I mean, if you put it this way, me and Raheel sort of retired him off FIFA. He stopped playing. He just oh he just gave up. He moved on to Call of Duty. I Can't mean, if, imagine that. it was that bad. And and sort of he's been playing against Raheel for like years on FIFA, like not not ever playing another game and completely retired. So that was quite sad. Like I kind of wish I let him win a few games so he stayed now. But 
I mean, that's bragging rights, I guess. It is what it is. Because again, you and I, and again, two of our friends used to play clubs on FIFA and that was enjoyable and that was so much fun, but yeah, it didn't happen it. as frequently as we wanted it to. The fact that we'd always just like be bashing the any all the time and we'd be trying different formations and different ways, but <laughs> it just got a bit frustrating after a while because the four of us were all with different jobs and we were all working at the time differently in different days and it wasn't as fun. But when we got there, it was amazing because we'd get really gassed about getting out Division 10 and then we wouldn't play for another two months and we'd be like, where did we play again? I forgot which position we were which is fun, but no, I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, happy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy you mentioned pro clubs now. I completely forgot, but I did play a lot of pro clubs in this lockdown on FIFA mm. the nine, on FIFA 20, sorry, and 21 with some of my friends from Yorkshire. Yeah. And yeah, we really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, I was quite good actually for the last sort of two seasons, but sort of honorable mentions go out to D Ridder. He was one of them. And uh, I can't remember the other ones. There was like there were those legends. Schultz, that's what. It was all about the Ridder, really. He was just the one was, that was just, it was just awful. Yeah, was like sort of legends that used to turn up in different ways, wasn't it? Mm. And yeah, just playing FIFA with the guys was just one of those things that I don't get to do as much. Again, working and different ways of traveling to and from work. And you, you miss that fun experience because it was a way of bonding that I hadn't really experienced before in terms of online playing. I played with my other group of friends and with some family members like co-op seasons and clubs and stuff. And that was, again, amazing instead of until stupid o'clock in the morning. And it's just something that is a way of just bonding your friends together. And again, when when you lose that, because some people will keep playing every Friday night or every Saturday night and they're happy to, but when you lose that within one another, you kind of miss that experience. Because again, we haven't seen the four of us yeah, the Fantastic Four, yeah. We haven't, we haven't seen our Fantastic Four group for like a year or so, maybe even longer now, because it's just, we're always busy or we, we can always do different days and I've moved away now and, and you've moved away and it's not, yeah. it's not as fun. And we're always going to talk to each other, we're always going to appreciate one another, but it's just the fact that when you have that bonding together with the four of us, it was fantastic. And we all met in the same place and we all left to go to better things and we both, we both can agree that we're in, better places than we were at the time and I just wanted to say it was just really fun to play FIFA clubs and just to share those experiences because even though we just play gaming and we're just playing for stupid amount of hours until stupid clock in the evening it wasn't stupid at all because it was just fun and people don't see that from the outside like if you're not a gamer then you don't get to appreciate uh, the, the, the jokes and the laughs you get on FIFA and some of them are still recorded on my PS4 with like our audio, it's just ridiculous just listening back to it. So if I get the time, I'll, I'll go through the hard drive and just see if I can get it. But we scored some fantastic goals, we had some fun times. And the next time we'll see each other, we'll probably just be reminiscing about things like this as well, because hopefully they'll be listening to it. The other, the other two will be listening to this podcast about us talking about our club sessions and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, even if we played once a week, once every two weeks, even for like two or three hours, it was sort of like a guaranteed kind of get together kind of thing, because we're not going to just be talking about, we're not just going to be saying, oh, pass the ball. We're like, you know, we're having full on conversations and sort of banter and stuff during games, in between games. I mean, it's quite easy now with sort of the party feature that we've, uh, sort of PlayStation have added, you know, with just be four of us in that sort of party and we just, you know, have bants and whatever. But that's something, the second yeah. that you stop playing, the second that we stopped doing that, we sort of lost out because obviously with COVID, it's hard to sort of meet up considering that we've moved away and things as well. But I think we should try and get get pro clubs back going. 
I think there's a bit of a console issue though. So I mean, I'd, I could probably play the PS4 version and just keep the friendship going with you three. Yeah, and yeah. I could probably just get online and just carry on playing for the time being. But I reckon in time, everyone will get their PS5s and Xboxes in time. For even today, I was convinced I should get an Xbox because they're stuck in certain places. But I was like, nah, PS5. Again, is what I was saying to a couple of my friends and family is because everyone else will be getting it and you'll get to share those experiences of talking to one another and remembering times of literally when you spent hours playing. And even though they're not the first memories that will come to your mind, even though we'd have dark days and we didn't want to talk about stuff, we could just, again, not always play football, but talk about it on online and on FIFA as well. And that was fantastic because we gained a closer friendship from our club sessions and it yeah. was amazing to see. And I can't wait until the four of us will be back again rather seeing each other in person. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm sure a stock's going to be back after. So in the new year, definitely it'll be easy. It'll be quite accessible for everyone to get one. Yeah. I mean, this rush has just pretty much been sort of the like people that wanted it at the start and sort of the Christmas gifts. But once we get into the new year past like, like February, maybe March, it'll be sort of accessible. I'm hoping sort of for everyone to get one because the other problem is if obviously one friend gets Xbox and there's not like cross-platform gaming available like cod does provide it but if the game doesn't provide it then obviously we're going to be a bit stuck like for yeah, example definitely. we know amar's going to get both regardless anyway as he does and he mentioned as it he does anyway, yeah, that he, time he's going to well. get every console where's probably i'd say Waleed's probably going to get the ps so i think we should be fine in that sense but one one of the funny things was i actually bought a ps5 this weekend and i was literally I was that keen on the podcast to be like, we should do a PS5 giveaway. But then I was like, nah, that's so rare. And we're not at that budget to literally give a PS5 away to our... We don't have that budget yet, but we do have amazing subscribers and followers and they're very interactive and it's nice to interact with everyone. And I'm enjoying this journey so far with our podcast, but the fact that PS5 giveaway, not yet. Not yet. I think we should do it one step at a time. I think we should do a FIFA giveaway first. We should give like then, a fruit basket giveaway because that's all we can afford with our joint budget of six people. Yeah, at the moment. But I think I think maybe for FIFA 22, we could do a FIFA 22 giveaway or then we could do like a football shirt giveaway of a team of that person's choice. And yeah. We could probably move it up from there. It's one of those things that there's so much that we can do with this podcast. And the fact that you and I only met when you were working part-time in retail and I was working part-time in retail and we met from there and we were on a podcast together with four of our friends and the fact that we're just enjoying it at the moment and we've just grown since then and it's again just fantastic to see and we probably don't say it enough but just appreciated you having you in my life and i've loved it ever since then it's been yeah, a blessing you too you too i'm not gonna deny it i mean it's what has it been maybe five years i've known you now and it's it's gone by really quick considering the first time we probably met it's been yeah the time's flown i'd, I'd say five years have gone by we both grew Five proper beards then as well. So it's crazy. Something like that. It's crazy <laughs> to see how we've all just we've grown up. Even though we haven't known each other since we were kids, we were obviously teenagers and adults. But it's fantastic to see how we've grown and we've learned about each other's differences. And it's fun to see. And I'm just, I'm just glad that you're, that even though we, I've moved away and you've moved away, we're still in each other's life on a weekly basis, which again, we're not playing PlayStation, but we're on a podcast and we're always finding different ways to stay relevant to one another and I'm loving it. On that point, I was going to say it's uh, strange how things are written, to be honest, considering your sort of childhood and you probably, we would have probably never crossed paths as in in, a, in a sort of like a normal sort of sentence say it was, it was wrong for us to sort of cross paths in the first place, considering you were down in London. I was sort of born in Birmingham, but 
so broad in Yorkshire, so we were sort of miles apart in that sense. And how decisions that came about in both our lives that we ended up, you know, sort of crossing paths with Aman Walid as well. And again, uh, Walid being a German Pakistani citizen as well, living in Birmingham, and we've got Amar again, just a normal British Birmingham citizen as well, which is fantastic. We've got the diversity in our little fantastic four group. And again, seeing as the four of the, the other four are on the group, it's just nice to mention that long may it continue because we've both seen each other go through ups and downs and we've both been honest about our mental health and our struggles with one another. And we know we're both there for each other. And I'm loving it because we don't get to appreciate a good friend all the time, but because I'm on a podcast with you, I get to appreciate. So thank you very much, Salim, for being there in my good times and in my bad times. <laughs> That's in the main place for the combos with the um, the car park after F and F. The Star City, City car that's, park. That's a good spot for heart to heart. I'd say. <laughs> Without Those trying are... to get too emotional. Nah, we won't. We won't get it too emotional. And I think we're all good from there as well. We discussed AC yeah. Milan today, and I'm just happy that I got to say my piece on it. We didn't do a proper scouting report because Paolo Rossi, I thought, would be a, a good little tribute. And again, people watching AC Milan this season, I hope in May or June we'll be able to see and lift the trophy. You know what, Sally, we'll end on that because I spoke to Vish about it, about him going to yeah. the San Zero. I just want to know your experience about when you went to the San Zero for the first time. Yeah, it was It's quite a long story, actually, how um, we we didn't get in at one point and stuff, but I think I'll probably go into that another time. The experience was, it was, it was a different experience, actually, because after sort of both, at both ends of the ground, you've got, the ultras that sit at one side into Milan ultras and one side AC Milan ultras and then behind them there's like a massive sort of like glass panel and then there's just mixed fans sat everywhere so like it was the four of us and we were we had some like AC Milan scarves so we were kind of repping AC Milan kind of thing <laughs> like we, all we wanted to see was a good game and we had like Inter fans on our left and AC Milan fans on our right and we're like this would never be allowed in the UK literally zero percent chance of me sat next to like a Birmingham City fan without getting one of us getting beaten up or something or me with a Man and City yeah, fan at Old Trafford or something like that just mixed half and half scarves that type of thing yeah that it's not gonna happen it's just it's quite interesting to watch football in a different city to just see like you know these people they love the game as much as you do and the, the football was played quite different to what we're used to in England but it's amazing to see such a passionate fan base like both fan bases you know so desperate to see their team do well and it was a city that was you know really into football because one of the other days we went out somewhere and they had the game on they had the Juventus game on against Real Madrid where Cristiano scored the overhead kick and he had uh, all these course, people yeah. just like celebrating celebrating the goal because they were they were obviously like um, AC Milan or Inter Milan fans and like them seeing Juventus concede and people were jumping everywhere and yeah it was quite it's amazing actually that's one of those things that I I wish we could have done as a group the four of us and we probably still could in the future and probably could do yeah, well, Friday night counter attack just get six tickets. Hard. Record a podcast at the San Siro or the Bernabeu or the Camp Nou. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm definitely down for that. When things open, we need to do a vlog. Like we should do it like as an annual trip, just one game, and it ha- it can't be in the Premier League. It has to be somewhere abroad, so we get a full sort of weekend out of it. The four, the four, the other four, will be listening to this like, what the hell are you two planning without us a trip abroad? It's like, yeah, we don't have the budget for it yet, but we will soon. <laughs> Company expenses <laughs> we'll, as you we'll, do. We'll go to wherever it's cheap. 
<laughs> Wherever's cheap is fine. We'll go to Ajax. They do cheap tickets to Amsterdam as well. Not for that reason, but we'll literally just go to watch Ajax play. Got to love daily. Playing, saying that, have, I think they've they've knocked the San Siro down, haven't they? They're about to. They're going to. They're about to. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's another thing, man. I'm happy to have been to the San Siro and watch the Milan derby. But on that note, I've, I did want to. There's two things I want to do, and that's see Messi and see Ronaldo live, and the chances are running out. So I mm. think that's a big priority for me. I got to see them. I've seen them a few times. Like, so uh, when I went to Inter Milan to be Barcelona, my cousin and I were, wanted to go to Man United v Juventus when Man United won 2-1. But we got Inter yeah. Milan v Juventus tickets. And the next day when we played against Juventus, we were in Rome at the time, or the day after in Rome, and everyone was just talking about Jose Mourinho. So it's like you said, Italians love football wherever you are in the country. So Italy would be a great place to start. And to see Ronaldo and Juventus and Messi, if he leaves Barcelona, who knows where he could go? Juventus, Inter Milan, AC Milan even, Napoli, do another Maradona and do something amazing with them. That would be amazing to see. The FNC will be on tour one way or another over the coming years and it'll be fantastic. I can't wait. So I think I've got two things from that. So we need to basically go to Juventus or Barcelona game. That's the first thing. Mm. And the second thing is that I think on the next episode we should all mention the best player that we've seen live. That was one of the that was one of the things we we're gonna do as well. We're just gonna have a little Q and A for next episode. Again, it's gonna be the Christmas <clears> episode, so we're just gonna yeah, keep yeah, it nice right. and easy. I'm not gonna do any scouts and report. We're not gonna do any football chat about Pogba, Man United, whatever. It's gonna go through little questions from some people that have followed us on our Instagram page and they've been very kind to actually suggest some questions. So we'll just be relaxing, we'll be taking it easy. Gerard I've not Julian. sort of got many memories of him, but Liverpool fans could obviously chime in and, and they'll have more to say than I do on that. Yeah, so with Gerard Hulia as well, he was a manager for Liverpool, he managed France, he managed Aston Villa for a season and he was just someone that, again, you saw the tributes pouring in and it's, it's been sad in 2020 to see so many people pass away and even though I'm a Man United fan, you remember the days of when he was at Liverpool and he won them that treble UEFA Cup and the FA Cup and it's fantastic to see because you saw Michael Lowen coming through, you saw Gerard coming through, and it is amazing as an England fan and as a Man United fan to see proper competition coming through. And Gerard Hulier was the catalyst for that, and he made Liverpool win trophies after so many years of not really winning proper trophies, and it's fantastic because three, four years after, well, two, three years after he left, they won the Champions League with Rafa Benitez, similar players that he brought through, which again, against was against AC Milan in 2005. So full round circles from talking about AC Milan winning trophies and going back to the top. And they lost in 2005 with that amazing team they had to Liverpool, who they ended up doing it. The, four, the other four would not be happy with us talking about Liverpool in this light, but it is what it is. Um, but no, thank you for that. Simon. Thank you for, again, rest in peace, Gerard Julio, rest in peace, Paolo Rossi, and we'll see you for another lighthearted episode this December next week. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. Goodbye.